Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Matthew 22. What's your favorite game show? Now, maybe this isn't something you currently do. I don't have any game shows that I watch, but when I think about that question, it takes me back to when I was young. It takes me back to going over to grandma and grandpa's house where every night part of the pre-dinner routine was watching Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy, right? And seeing the people spin the wheel and clap their hands and say, big money, big money on Wheel of Fortune. Or the highlight for me as a school-age child of getting sick and missing school was that I got to watch The Price is Right while I was staying home sick. And you think of game shows. Well, think of a show today with different contestants that are going to try to, the name of the show is Stump Jesus. Uh, My brother has used this to describe what goes on. We saw a little bit in Matthew 21, but today in Matthew 22, it's, uh, hey, everybody, welcome to Stump Jesus. We're going to have some different contestants, and they're going to try to ask Jesus questions that he can't answer. Guess who wins this game show? Jesus wins every time. And you saw that a little bit in our last reading in Matthew 21, but you're going to see a lot more of it today. People come, they ask questions. Most of these questions are clearly not good faith questions. They are trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to stump Jesus. They're trying to pin Jesus in some corner where they don't think he'll have a good way out. Um, But Jesus manages to turn the tables on them every time. And so that's really the big picture. Again, remember the big picture of Matthew, Jesus is the Messiah. And ultimately that's, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see the authority of the Messiah shown in how he answers these questions. So that's the big picture of Matthew 22. However, as you look at each of the questions and answers, we will see some things that will have application to us, different lessons that are brought up in response to the answers to these questions. So let's start, and we pick up with a parable at the beginning of the chapter, and this really is um, a connection to chapter 21. Uh, Going back to the first contestant on Stump Jesus, when the chief priest asked Jesus, by what authority do you do these things? And he flips it back on them by saying, well, by what authority did John the Baptist did? Like they try to corner him. It's kind of like in boxing when somebody's trying to punch somebody into the corner and then they duck a punch and throw the other guy into the corner corner, and then start hitting them with some punches. That, that's really what Jesus does here. And then he tells three parables, the parable of the two sons, the parable of the tenants. And, and a lot of them are going on this theme. Hey, you religious leaders who should be the ones who know what's going on, who should be the ones responding and leading, you're not. And instead of you, other people are going to be given what you think you have. You're, you're going to see that in the, the tax collectors and prostitutes that are going to be saved and do the will of God when you're not. You're going to see that even in how I think things are going to spread to the Gentiles and the church will be made up of mostly Gentiles. And today you see this parable of the wedding feast, right? And the people that should come to the wedding, they don't. Uh, and they don't respond. And even they they treat the servants shamefully and kill them, right? 
referring, as it clearly does sometimes, to the prophets who were killed, to Jesus who will be killed. And then in verse 7, it says, the king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Uh, wow. And that's where, even as some of the stuff we'll get to soon in Matthew, I think could very possibly and probably even be a reference to what's going to happen in 70 AD when Jerusalem was destroyed. Uh, and then it talks about, well, other people are going to be invited in. And, and that's what we see uh, happen. Uh, the religious leaders, they're not in. And even uh, the, the Jews, many of them, they rejected Christ. And we see the church made up of, of Gentiles and, and sinners coming into the church instead of those who thought they were righteous. And then at the end, there's this story of uh, the man who doesn't have the right garment. And so he is thrown out into a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I think I don't know that Matthew is referring because it does work. Well, look, he's not dressed in the righteousness of Christ. I don't know if that's exactly what Jesus meant, but it does work. And you get a sense you you can't come to the feast on your own terms. You want to join in the feast. Hey, the invitation is out to all, but you've got to come on the king's terms. And, and that's where I think that there's a human perspective to that. Hey, you have to submit to the gospel. You have to come to the king on his terms. There's also a divine element to that that I think we see in verse 14, for many are called, but few are chosen. An idea of uh, really those Jesus refers to in other places or um, what we see referred to in the epistles as the elect, uh, those who are chosen by God. Um, but again, we want to go off into all that and kind of pit uh, divine sovereignty and human responsibility against each other, where we see both of those things affirmed in the scriptures. So that's all really wrapping up a question that was asked in chapter 21. Now we get to other questions here in uh, chapter 22. And like I said, they're all pointing really to the authority of Jesus, the Messiah, but what we'll see things that we can learn uh, in the first is now the Pharisees, uh, they are plotting how to entangle him in words. So I'm not making it up when I'm saying these aren't uh, good faith questions. And they send their disciples along with the Herodians. That Those were not people that normally got along saying, teacher, we know that you are true and teach the word of God truthfully. I mean, man, these guys, they're not saying this genuinely. And you do not care about anyone's opinion for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus sees right through them and says, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they bring him a denarius and it's clearly Caesar's inscription that's on there. And Jesus says, therefore, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And when they heard it, they marveled and they left him and went away. And so there we see, uh, obvious their intention is, well, if he says we have to pay taxes, he'll lose uh, popularity with the crowds. And if he says we don't have to pay taxes, well, then we can report him to the Romans and he'll get in trouble. But Jesus turns it back on them. And really, it's a double rebuke. He's really calling them out for one, you're probably not actually rendering to Caesar what you should render to him, render to him, and you're not rendering to God what you should render to him. And this is where you'll see we should draw some things from that. I do think Jesus here affirms that it is right for his people to pay their taxes to an earthly government. And that's where I think some of that grates against our flesh. And especially we are very much in a 
different time and a different culture than the Jews under the authority of the Roman Empire. We live in the United States of America, the land of freedom, the land of rights. Um, and that's where there are some differences. We, we can vote and we have some say in choosing our leaders. We, can, we even have the right to challenge laws and to say this law is unconstitutional. And so being in that mindset where I don't think we need to throw aside all of our rights as citizens of America, we do need to guard against, I think sometimes we, we take that too far to a point where we, we are kind of anti-authority and we think, well, I don't have to do anything the government tells me to do where, no, Jesus is saying, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. And as we'll see later in the New Testament, our, our default should be, we submit to the government. And that's not always going to be something that we like. So prepare yourself to submit to some things that you do not like and to pay taxes in an amount that you think this is too much and I don't like what it's being used for. But that, that's what King Jesus told me to do. And so I'm, I'm rendering really to Caesar what is Caesar's because I'm rendering to God what is God's. And a good call that the ultimate allegiance in our lives belongs to God. And we should render to him what belongs to him. Next, you get into this somewhat convoluted question about the resurrection. Um, the custom was if uh, this man died and had no children, uh, his brother should marry the widow to have children on his brother's behalf. And, you know, this is the Sadducees now. They're the next contestants on Stump Jesus. And they want to ask a question about the resurrection because they don't believe in the resurrection. And this is one of the oldest preachers or the oldest jokes in the preacher's book. And that's, you can remember the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. And that's why they were so sad, you see. But um, you've probably heard that one before. Um, but hey, you can remember the Sadducees that way, but that's what they're trying to make the point. And the thing I want you to notice about Jesus's response, uh, look at what he says in verse 29, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. In their convoluted question, he's saying, let's get right to the heart of it. You don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. And then if you had to ask me, well, hey, Pastor Ben, is the Bible inerrant? Is the Bible without error? I would say, yes, it is. And if you asked why, I would say, well, because I think Jesus says it's inerrant. Because Jesus, uh, even how do I know that each word is inspired? Um, because Jesus now is going to make his whole argument off of the tense of a verb. The gist of it is Jesus says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, not I was. He's not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. And he bases his whole argument off of the tense of a verb. That's one of the proofs to me that the Bible in every word in the originals is inspired. It is what God wanted. And therefore it is without error. And we see that there in the response of Jesus to the Sadducees. Then you get this question about the greatest commandment. And Jesus boils it down to, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, these should have a cutting element that we all say, I, I have not done that. And these verses should show us our need for the gospel. I like to use these verses in evangelism. 
Some people like to talk about the Ten Commandments and, hey, well, have you ever lied? Have you ever looked lustfully? And I think there, there can be something to that. I like to take people to, well, have you loved God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind? And the answer usually is, well, no. And then I said, well, then you've broken what Jesus is, says is the first and greatest commandment. Um, don't you think that's a big problem? Uh, and that's where like, well, if Jesus said that, yeah, I guess that is a big problem. And so these things should point us to Christ, but as those who have put our faith in Christ, we should realize, hey, these are the things that God wants me to do. And so every day, my goal should be, I want to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and I want to love my neighbor as myself. So these things, while they may bring some level of conviction through the grace of God, these things should be what we prayerfully aspire to today. And so maybe you can meditate even on what that might look like today for you to love God this way and to love your neighbor this way. Finally, um, Jesus asks them a question. He turns the tables on them and he asks them, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And the point he's making in this last question is if David in the Messiah is the son of David, but if David is calling this son of David, Lord, what does that make him? And the clear answer is, is greater than David. And I think it really points to the Messiah is more uh, than just some descendant of David. And I think even pointing to the deity of Christ, even in his response there. And that's where we come back to kind of the big picture. The whole point of this Stump Jesus show is Jesus wins because he is the Messiah and because he has the authority. So let's worship Jesus for being the son of David, for being the one who is the Messiah, who came to save us. And let's learn from what he has said. Let us render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Let us make sure we understand the scripture and the power of God. And let us seek today to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.